We are go for launch. Five. Quiet, numbskulls. I'm broadcasting. Anything can happen in the next half hour. Four. My friend, we cannot keep this a secret any longer. This whole thing is insane. Three. Quiet, please. I am analyzing. Where's the kaboom? Two. There was supposed to be an earth-shattering kaboom. One. And hello, greetings, solicitations, and welcome back to Planet 8. As always, this is your mission commander, Larry, speaking to you from our hidden base here on Planet 8. Chief Engineer Bob is here in command center by my side, and as always, circling Planet 8 in our orbital spy satellite is Reconnaissance Officer Karen. Today's mission takes us to a deserted desert planetoid. This is going uh, going to be like Robinson Crusoe on Mars. Uh, in getting to know each other, we want this podcast to be as interactive as can be through social media. We're going to put forth some questions to uh, uh, the three of us here. And then at the end of the podcast, we're going to throw it out there to you guys to hit us up on our Twitter and Facebook pages and give us some information on on what you guys would do if you were on a desert planetoid or meteor. And all you could have with you are two TV shows and five movies. That's it. No more, no less. Straight away, we're going to kick it to the orbital satellite. Walker, can I please have your two TV shows? And let me let you listeners know, we have not discussed this with each other beforehand. So um, this is going to be a lot of fun. All right, I'm tuning tuning in my inner rossiter. We are receiving. Okay, we receiving, are receiving signal. signal. So this was a difficult question or questions so many TV shows and movies to choose from and thinking about the ones that have really stuck with me over my life. Um, but, but there was one TV show that I, there was no way it could not be on my list. You probably know what I'm going to say. Star Trek, the original series. I mean, you know, and I'm thinking about it and I'm thinking, well, geez, you know, I'm going to be on this planetoid and I only get, Three seasons, and frankly, one was not very good. Um, you know, but those first two seasons are so fabulous, and it, you know, and I pretty much have all of the dialogue and scenes ingrained in my DNA at this point. So, do I really need to bring them? I thought I could bring Deep Space Nine, mm-hmm. uh, which I dearly, too. dearly love. But uh, I, I don't know. There's no way I can't bring Classic Trek, and and that says a lot about who I am. So then the second show this you know and we're bringing whole seasons here folks right. whole seasons um or whole shows every, all the seasons um the second one i thought well you could bring deep space nine and i thought oh i need some variety i can't just watch star trek all the time um blasphemer um <laughs> the second show i decided on the classic outer limits uh such great stories uh the fantastic alien and monster designs um, just love that show to pieces. I still pull out the DVDs and watch it. Yes, I'm old school. I have DVDs. So, um, those are my two shows. 
No, they're quite logical, I, I would say, uh, Walker. Uh, nice Thank you. variety. Thank you. Um, let's kick it over to Bob, and then we'll we'll get into a little more discussion into what your guys' picks are. Bob? Well, again, with me, there was one that was a no-brainer, and I think everyone could guess, and that would be Ultraman. Yes. So Ultraman. I can sit there and watch, like, you know, rubber monsters get beat up all day long. So, and the the original series was such a classic that you know, True. even though there are some other series that were longer and whatever, it's like I I could sit there and watch the original Ultraman all day long, even if that's the only thing I could bring, that would be fine with me. Mm. Um, second series, and it's interesting that Karen picked the Outer Limits because I was having a hard time choosing between the Outer Limits. And another series, and even though I love The Outer Limits, I'm thinking, well, you know, this other series has so many episodes, and I can sit there all day long and watch marathons when they're on. Mm-hmm. So I had to pick The Twilight Zone. Dun, 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 dun. And again, you know, even though <laughs> we've seen The Twilight Zone millions of times, and you know, different stations have the marathons and whatever, it's like I can still sit there and watch them. And I, even though I know what the twist endings are, you're sitting there and just waiting for that. Oh, here's the twist. This is great. Watch this. Right, Boom. Right, and, right. And it's invari- a high-quality show. And yeah. invariably, when I'm watching those marathons, even though I've watched them many times, an episode or two will pop up that I've never seen before. So maybe I haven't seen the whole thing. But uh, I will if I'm out on this desert planet. There you go. Um I'll, I'll give you guys my two, but the, the takeaway from Walker is uh, original Star Trek. Uh, that is one of mine, you know. Um, but when when uh, Karen and I first met, we uh, would play like Hero Clicks and Dungeons and Dragons. And at some point in time, she showed me this. Um, I think it was a membership card that you made for Star Trek. You remember that, Karen? Oh, gosh. It was something I had when I was uh, a little kid. Yeah, back in grade school. And that was one of the first things that we we bonded on because when I was in school, we did a Star Trek uh, fan club, too. And another friend of mine sketched out all these ships and stuff like that. With Bob's choice choices, uh, um, memory fails me. So there's a lot of Star Trek episodes and Twilight Zone episodes that I'll watch and think, oh, I've never seen them before. I just haven't seen them for a while and I forget. <laughs> the ending or the plot line. Um, but Ultraman, I remember taking the uh, light bulb out of my mom's fish tank and using that as the beta capsule and running around. Oh, yeah. uh, I got in so much <laughs> trouble over that. But um, Okay, so Classic Trek is, is one of mine because, uh, it, you know, one of the things we'll do in, when, when the three of us, you know, get together, We'll, we'll ask these silly questions like we're doing here on this podcast and you guys are listening. And uh, again, hopefully you share your stuff with us. But <clears throat> um, why would you pick something like, you know, Star Trek or Twilight Zone? My my second pick, uh, I was going to say All in the Family. Just kidding. <laughs> um, there was this. Sanford and Son. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was this uh, gif that we used, and it was Archie Bunker, and it was just so weird, him just doing this face. I had to throw that out there and give Archie some props on our podcast. Uh, 
my second um, in in doing my pick, I'll give you a little background because Bob had mentioned watching a marathon on TV. It's one thing to watch it in high def digital sound, blah blah blah. It's another thing to watch it on TV when they're showing an episode and you have nothing better to do. And you know, I don't know how it is on planet Earth, but on on planet Eight, we have like millions of channels that we can watch from across the galaxy. And to sit through commercials means you really love that show. My second show is The Addams Family. Hmm. Um, I, I love The Munsters, too. You know, I was going back and forth between Adam's Family and The Munsters. Um, who doesn't love to laugh? Uh, the Munsters' shtick was they were monsters living in our reality, and, and everyone got that they were monsters and would get scared or, you know, confused or whatever the episode was. The Adams Family relatively looked like us but but they embraced the macabre and and the strangeness um and and that made them mysterious and ooky and altogether kooky uh let me let me uh go over to bob so with the twilight zone what is one of your earliest memories of of a twilight zone episode what what was it and what did it mean to you at that time i mean Earliest memory was probably William Shatner seeing the gremlin on the wing. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Perfect. And, uh, yeah. That one uh, still you know, sticks with me as a favorite. Um, another memory from Twilight Zone would be uh, showing the Talking Tina episode to my daughter. <laughs> and, you know, she has the whole thing where I'm Talking Tina and I love you. And then Telly Savalas. You know, is alone right. in the room, and she's like, "I'm talking Tina, and I'm going to kill you." Yeah. And my daughter just like freaked out. It was like, "Holy, yeah!" So <laughs> that was always that was always fun. But ever since then, yeah, we both we'll sit there. I mean, she's moved out and into her own life now and things. But those Twilight Zone marathons will come on, and she'll be like texting me, "Oh, this episode's on. Oh, look, check this one out. Or oh, this one's coming up." And yeah, we'll text back and forth about it. So. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely something that we continue to enjoy. Cool. And then over to Walker. So uh, we'll save Star Trek for, for a little later on. But uh, Outer Limits, you know, uh, the the monsters were cool. Uh, I was not a big Outer Limits fan. Uh, my mother was, actually, so she'd watch Outer Limits. I was more of a Twilight Zone fan. But Walker, I'll, I'll throw it out to you, too. What's one of your first memories of... Of the outer limits, what, what was it? The monster, or did something? What what sparked that interest? Yeah, I think uh, initially it was the monsters. Um, we used to get it. So I used to get a uh, channel out of Los Angeles, uh, Channel Eleven, used to show uh, Outer Limits on uh, Sundays. And uh, Sundays we usually used to have to go to my grandparents' house, and uh, there wasn't a whole lot for me to do, so I would sneak off into a back room and I would watch Outer Limits. And initially it was always the monsters, but then as I got older, I began to understand the stories. And, um, you know, they just had really great classic science fiction stories. And I think um, one of the ones that first got me, there's a great uh, episode with uh, Robert Culp, The Architects of Fear. Yes. And um, that that's probably my favorite, but there's just so many really good episodes and um, and just the the work on the monsters. You know, sometimes it, it was hit or miss, but 
they had so much imagination and uh, so many strange and and crazy um, uh, different creatures. You know, sometimes you'd sit there and try to figure out like, oh, how are they manipulating that? mask or how are they doing that so yeah. um that was a lot of fun and uh yeah i just enjoy i wish they had made more seasons you know they often compare outer limits and twilight zone but you know obviously twilight zone had um so many more seasons mm-hmm. and, and really i think the biggest similarity is just they were anthology shows they were really quite different in in their approach i agree with you uh a lot of the stories were different uh, uh, zanti misfits that's that's the one that sticks out for me. Uh, oh, uh, gosh. Too. Yeah, there, that's a hard one to watch for me still. And then back then, there was an amazing artist named Hua Chang. Mm. Yes. Who did masks, basically, for Outer Limits, Twilight Zone, Star Trek. Mm-hmm. A lot of the classic aliens that you saw on those shows were all from Hua Chang. So, you know, look him up you know, and check him he, out because he did some amazing work. True. He true. also designed the original uh, Romulan spaceship mm. for Star Trek. Yeah. Uh, oddly enough, it wasn't uh, Matt Jeffries, uh, but watching. And there's a story, I don't know if it's apocryphal or not, but there's a story that he got ticked off about something and actually destroyed that ship. <laughs> and that's why they wound up using the Klingon cruisers. Um <laughs> uh, for the, the Romulans later on in the series. Wow. Okay, that's cool. Um, we'll go to Bob. We'll talk about Ultraman, and then we'll get into Star Trek. I know we all like Star Trek. Uh, what was it about Ultraman, Bob? I mean, there's a, there's Spectre Man. There's Ultra 7. There's He kind of got into, you know, yeah. this might not be the longest series, but... Well, if anyone knows me over the years, you'll know that yeah, Ultraman, Godzilla, you know, big parts of my life. And uh, and again, you know, with series, I could go into, you know, hey, I'd like to take Kamen Rider, Inazuma, and Kikaida. Whatever, you know, I'll just, just throw a bunch of stuff out there. But, right, right. you know, Ultraman was always number one. In fact, I was watching Ultraman on TV here in, uh, in the San Francisco Bay Area, like, before I even discovered Godzilla. And uh, the the original series actually showed here like in 1967, like like a year after uh, it was on in Japan. This is one of the earlier markets. So um, yeah, I mean, we as kids, we'd be out in the lot behind my house and playing Ultraman and beating each other up and you know <laughs> yelling and everything else. But no, I just you know up until that point, superheroes were like George Reeves Superman, right or Adam West Batman or the Green Hornet. And then suddenly he was this alien from the sky that comes down and, you know, fights monsters. And the best of the episodes are just like little mini Toho films, you know, or little mini Godzilla films. Just the quality on a lot of them uh, really stood up. And it was just caught my imagination from the beginning. Even, you know, the jazzy soundtrack or the, or the swirling open yeah. Where uh, the paint is swirling and it becomes Ultraman. And yeah, the whole thing was just, I couldn't get enough of it as a kid and I can't get enough of it as an adult. Cool. Um, let me just throw this out there too. If you guys have not checked out Ultraman, you really should. Uh, they are fun, fun episodes to watch. And uh, just don't get in trouble taking the bulb out of your parents' fish tank, uh, using it for the beta capsule. Um, so let's 
talk about Star Trek. We go back over to the satellite. Walker, are you reading us? Yes, I am. Okay. All right. All right. There's there's Deep Space Nine. There's Next Gen. There's Enterprise. There's Voyager. Now we have Discovery. Uh, I will tell our listeners that at some point in time in a future podcast, we will touch on uh, many, if not all, of the iterations of Star Trek. Um, I think deep to all three of our hearts is the original series for various reasons. Uh, Walker, we're going to oh. do another time, uh, you know, displacement thing here. And, and what is your earliest memory of of Trek? How'd you come ac- across it upon it? Well, well, so I have a, a an older brother who uh, was probably one who was originally became interested in Star Trek and um, probably introduced me to it initially um, at the time that it was on air. But I was so small, I you know, I wasn't really, it didn't really hit me. And then you know, it came into syndication. And it was on all the time. I mean, I'd get home from school and we'd have two to three hours of Star Trek. So I was I was watching it, you know, all the time. Um, just came, became sort of obsessed with it for, for a, a while there. Um, I think the thing about Star Trek, um, similar to Marvel Comics, which was probably the other big obsession of my young life, um, was that, you know, they offered... Uh, things that sort of went along with what my parents, who I guess should have been the major influence in my life, and they were, they they were, they were the major influence. But you know, it all reinforced these belief systems. You know, I mean, Star Trek was all about a very positive vibe, and, and right. um, you know, and plus it it looked great, right? It looked fantastic at the time. You know, it was you know now we can look on it and say, well, effects weren't great, but you know, it was more about this positive future, this adventure. You know, and you had somebody like Spock, who I think everybody could sort of relate to this idea of sort of being um, an outsider. And so, you know, that's that's probably what sucked me in at the time. Bob? Well, you know, I think I'm the old folk of the group. I watched it when it was originally on. Um, 1966, when it came on, I was (coughs) six years old. So... uh, (laughs) You know, I enjoyed it up until, and actually, we did it. We did a show with, uh, like, a sci-fi X Fest show uh, with Bay Area Film Events, my other group, and we had Marta Kristen from Lost in Space, Judy, as a guest, and I told her this story. It's like I was watching Star Trek up until Cat's Paw, and there's that scene at the beginning where the three witches appear on the planet, mm-hmm. and they're like, "Go back, go back." Yeah. Scared the crap out of me as a kid. And right then, I'm like, I'm not watching this anymore. And I stuck with Lost in Space. And so I didn't watch it again until it started coming out in syndication. I was older, and then I could start getting into it. But, um, yeah, maybe I was just too young at the time. <laughs> That's funny, because I'll tell you, as as a grown man, when that episode comes on, it still freaks me out just hearing them. Mm-hmm. Captain Kirk! Uh, the other thing that freaks me out is the um, oh, Jack the Ripper. Red Jack, Red Jack, Red Jack. Oh, you're all going to die. Die horribly. 
kill, kill, kill you all. Die, die, make you and suffer. And it's like, the guy kind of sounds like Winnie the Pooh's voice, you know? It's kind of like... <laughs> so just, to this day, you can't watch Winnie the Pooh's oh, voice. Oh, well, you know, that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother podcast. Um, you know, my, my brother used to... And in the end credits of Star Trek, they would show the Baylock puppet. <laughs> remember Baylock? And and when I was really little, I, I found it quite terrifying. So my brother would grab me and hold me up to the oh screen when the puppet came up, and I would wail in terror. We uh, could we could have a whole podcast on just traumatic moments <laughs> in movies and TV when we were kids, and ones that scarred us for life. Yeah, that that. Baylock is a is a rough episode for me too for different reasons, but uh, <laughs> I know why. Yeah, we uh, you know we would watch Kung Fu. Um, we had a black and white TV set. It had a little timer on it. Mom would set the timer. We'd watch Mary Tyler Moore. Everybody had a, uh, an hour or so of, of stuff that they could watch in prime time. But when I started watching Star Trek, it was on weekends and. Um, there was no timer because mom didn't. There was nothing that mom really had to watch. Back then, kids, there was no VCRs and and uh, DVRs and stuff. <laughs> so I used to think that when something came on TV, and and that episode was over, you'd never see it again. That was it, you know. So when three thirty came on, you had to go watch, you know, the movie of the week, and it was Godzilla or Captain Cosmic was doing his thing or dialing for dollars. You had to, you know, make the effort to watch it because it'll never come on again. Well. Since then, things have changed. Uh, first episode I watched, I remember to this day, mom made some bologna sandwiches and there was more lettuce and bologna because, you know, it's a big family, not a lot of uh, bologna to, to throw out there. But uh, it was just such so lovingly put together. I'm, everyone's parents, you know, does fantastic things for themselves. But mom put the sandwich together. We were watching Star Trek. First time I watched Star Trek. And she called Mr. Spock, Dr. Spock. Oh, and, no. Yeah, and I should call her <laughs> later today and see if she calls him Dr. Spock still. But um, we were watching The Devil in the Dark, and that movie, that show scared the crap out of me. And I look at it now, and it's like, oh, it's this guy in a rug or whatever. But at the time, it was just, you know, I didn't even finish my bologna sandwich till the end of the episode. My mouth was just open watching this thing. But to this day, um, that that is my fond Star Trek memory well i think nimoy does such a good job on that first oh. vulcan mind meld with yeah. the and that was the first one right in the series that that was the first the time yeah. he right so he's mind melding with his horda and yeah just the way he pulled that off that yeah that was pretty he, spine yeah he, you know, he's yeah. he really sells it and it, it kind of bothers me when i read things where people make fun of like the horda costume and it, it's like yes i understand if you didn't you know, if you're 20 years old and you don't have any emotional attachment to Star Trek, you can look at Star Trek and say, oh, look at how cheap. It's just like a costume with, you know, yeah. silly stuff. On. But it's like, try to enjoy the story. Try to understand the story. These actors were taking it very serious. They were right. they were conveying these emotions and, you know, yeah, they didn't have much to work with. So they were putting themselves in there and, you know, as a six seven eight year old kid whatever i'm sitting there like buying the whole thing and today right. you know obviously i'm already pissed off about it um <laughs> but yeah it's like i have the utmost respect for nimoy and shatner and all those other guys who did what they could and really 
told us interesting stories with a limited production value. I, I agree with you. I mean, you know, uh, Walker and I would, would have discussions about Trek a lot. And it's like, to me, it was like, all right, you know, we got to film an episode of Star Trek. What are we doing? Hey, aren't they doing a Roman film over there on Studio 7? Go there and get the costumes. Wait, they're doing Nazis over. Get the Nazi costumes. We'll go to a Nazi planet. <laughs> and, you know, then that was that week's episode. But they put their hearts and souls into these characters. And, uh, you know, it, it shows. And, and, you know, Shatner had his style of acting. But DeForest Kelly, George Takei, Nichelle Nichols, uh, all of them did, did great jobs. Um. We're gonna we're gonna move forward now, and we're gonna get into five movies. We talked about our two TV series. We're gonna get into five movies, and I think we started with Bob with the TV series. So we're gonna start with, or was it Walker that we started with? Oh, so you started yeah. with me. Started with Walker. Uh, we're gonna cut to Bob then. Top five movies. We'll let Bob go through his list. We will discuss, and then we'll go up to our satellite. All right. Well. It's really hard, you know, I've been into movies all my life, so it's really hard to narrow it down to just five. In fact, we were going to do two, and then I begged to go to five. <laughs> um, all right, so... No particular order, Bob, no stress. Yeah, well, yeah, and no particular order. And, you know, I try to think, okay, should this be, be my favorite movies or just movies that I could watch over and over and over and over and over again? And there may be some differing, you know, there. But a number one movie I could watch... On auto repeat, I could just lay in bed and watch on auto repeat over and over and over until the day I die. Would be War of the Gargantuas, mm. so that would be one of them. Uh, another, I, you know, I figure, well, I got to have a Godzilla movie in there. So my favorite movie, Godzilla movie of all time, is Godzilla versus the Thing, also known as Mothra versus Godzilla. But I thought, yeah, but if I'm going to watch this over and over and over and over again, I picked Destroy All Monsters because you can't beat that final battle between all the monsters at the end. True. Um, you know, until maybe when you get to Infinity War or something. But, <laughs> um, I mean, that was just like blew me away as a kid. You know, it's like when I first saw it, I didn't realize all these monsters were in there. And then you get the, you know, Ghidra shows up at the end and they all battle and yeah, nerdgasm. <laughs> um, another would be the creature from the Black Lagoon. Nice. Uh, especially if I can watch it in 3D. I don't know if they have 3D on this desert planet, but um, to this day, you know, I have a one. I have a 3D monitor and everything else. So, out of all the movies that I've watched in 3D at home, Creature from Black Lagoon just still just people come over. I just say, look, you got to watch this. I know you've seen it before. You got to watch it in 3D, and it's just amazing. Um, for my fourth film. I figured, well, i got to get something animated. And I was kind of trying to figure out between maybe The Iron Giant or Castle of Cagliostro with Lupin Third. And I think if you asked me again next week, I'd pick the opposite and the week after the opposite again. But mm-hmm. I narrowed it down and went with uh, Castle of Cagliostro. This brings back a lot of memories. It's a great film, one of Miyazaki's early movies. And... Uh, you know, loop on the third. What, what more can you say? You know, <laughs> and then for my last film, and this is kind of like right on the edge, bordering on the fence of fantasy or whatever. And but I need a laugh, so I would pick Monty Python and the Holy Grail. 
which I've probably seen more than any movie in my life, and uh, still not bored of it. So I would definitely bring that along. Cool. We're going to uh, just making notes here. Those of you who it's it's not a visual podcast, just audio. Uh, Walker, which top five, or at least you know this week. Top five. Okay. Yeah, this week for the day because it, for the it's. Day. <laughs> Like like Bob said, I could easily uh, change from day to day or perhaps hour to hour, depending on what's happening, what I've consumed, what injury I've incurred. Um, so so this was kind of tough because, yeah, again, it's like, is it my favorite? Is it stuff I could just sit and watch? I don't know. I did keep it genre related. Uh, I thought about a lot of comedies, but I, I kind of left them out. So in no particular order. Um, I, I had to do a twofer, so I've got both uh, Star Wars and Empire in there, so that's one and two, um, just because there's there's no way I could not do both of them. Um, they, they have to kind of go together, and Star Wars just had such an impact. As much as I love Star Trek, and I don't see a competition really between them, right. um, you know, Star, Star Trek was there for me as sort of this philosophical thing star wars was there for sort of the grandeur um so star wars and empire um planet of the apes uh that that movie just you know there's so much to unpack in that movie i it's like i anytime it comes on i just sit and watch it because i take such delight in that film um uh for a more modern film, um, there's been so many great Marvel movies, and, and I really enjoy them, but uh, probably my favorite is Captain America, The Winter Soldier. Um, I, I really enjoy that. I think it's probably, the to me, the best all around as far as writing, production, and so forth. So that, And then my final movie, um, one of those, there was a... a bunch of movies in the 70s that I got to see because my brother's six years older than me and he took me to a lot of things I probably shouldn't have seen and one of those was Excalibur oh, that's a good and one just uh, such a strange fantasy film uh, but I really enjoy not only it has a very different visual look but that soundtrack is really great I still listen to that soundtrack all the time so those are my five what about you, Larry? Those are good movies you guys came up with. Uh, okay, so my top five, uh, in no particular order, would be Star Wars, uh, Luke on Tatooine, Farm Boy, uh, Discover the Force, and, you know, Journey ensues. Uh, I had to go with Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Um, yeah. I remember seeing the motion picture at a drive-in in... City of Paramount as a young lad. And even though the uh, speakers actually came through your car stereo, that was new at that time. You didn't have the little boxes. It was just a lot of people call it the motionless picture. Um, I like the V'ger sounds, but, you know, it, it just wasn't a lot of Trek going on for me. And, and let me just clarify that um, when we say Poda or Planet of the Apes, we're talking about Chuck Heston, get your damn dirty paws off me damn dirty apes damn dirty ape. that's right so um if if we say um you know uh an early or a later version of of planet of the apes we'll we'll call it as such but my poda is the same as walker's poda um 
1968, uh, you know, it, it just, it was amazing the makeup that they did back then. I mean, now everything's CG and, and whatever. But, man, it still holds up to this day in my book. Um, I'm going to go with Bob's almost choice, Iron Giant. Oh. Uh, the movie is animated, but it speaks to the heart. Uh, and, and I could have picked a lot of Pixar. I love the Pixar animation. Um, you know, there's a lot of other stuff out there, but Iron Giant. Um, number five. I'm going to go with Chris Reeve, Superman. I, I believed a man mm. could fly. And I think that film, as much as I love the Marvel movies, to me that started the superhero movies. Uh, you know, Tim Burton's Batman. People talk about that. Chris Nolan's Batman. All of the Marvel stuff. Fantastic films, all of them. But Chris Reeve, Superman, number five. Um, so look, we're uh, we're going to go straight into this. Uh, Walker, I think you, I, and Bob went to a Monster Palooza. Those of you who don't know about Monster Palooza, Google it. Uh, it's a great convention they have for for uh, monster fans, and they have movie nights. Well, they have all kinds of stuff going on there. But this guy came. I don't know, Bob, if you saw it that mm-hmm. night. Uh, from the 3D Society. Do you remember, Karen? Yes. And he had a screen that he set up. And wasn't it like pieces of silver in it or something like that? Yes, it was very unusual aluminum. Yeah, it was just just like... Anyway, so... And then he had like two different projectors or something or, or... And I have never seen... You know, I saw Infinity Wars in 3D on IMAX and that was pretty cool, but... That freaking creature from the Black Lagoon, black and white, projected on that screen was phenomenal. And and we've all seen Creature a number of occasions in different, you know, formats, be it TV, DVD, 3D or whatever. But but that to me, I don't Bob, did you catch that that night or I did not. I don't know why I did not. But okay. uh <clears throat> yeah, I don't Creature from the Black Lagoon, anytime you can see it in three D is worth seeing. Even if it's like I I've seen it in three D on like an old 16 millimeter print. Uh-huh. I saw it on 3D when uh, we did all three creature films at the Castro Theater back in, uh, I think it was about 2008. And uh, saw it 3D there as, uh, along with Revenge of the Creature. And, you know, again, like, you know, I was watching it 3D here at home. Yeah, I, I can't get enough of the movie and I can't get all enough right. of any of it. So if I do bring that movie to the desert planet, It'll um, be 3D. I, I would probably bring my <laughs> pinball machine as well because I do have oh. the Creature from the Black Lagoon pinball machine. That's how obsessed I am with this film. Kids, that's a bonus episode that we'll do sometime. And, uh, you know, besides the film, what else would you bring related to the film? That pinball machine is pretty awesome. Um, it is. Yeah. I'll play it on the next podcast. Ping, ping, ping. <laughs> that, that should be a good show. We'll do a remote show. Uh, Walker, memories, uh, comments on the on the Creature? Oh, well, that 3D showing was, uh, that was phenomenal. Um, I have to say, you know, yeah, I'd seen Creature a lot of times. And so we, you know, when we went into that showing, I thought, oh, this will be fun Mm -hmm. um, with no real expectations. But seeing it in 3D, you know, I've seen other other 50s movies in 3D and um, they're very gimmicky. You know, they always have like this gun pointed directly at you or whatever. Um, The what we saw, you know, there was so much depth uh, to the 
the print, you know, you, mm-hmm. yeah, there were those moments where the creature would reach out or something, but there was just a, a lot of depth to the, uh, the print and it just looked, you know, it just looked fabulous. So, so yeah, I would, that's another one I would, I would highly recommend somebody if they haven't seen it in 3d to see it in 3d. Yeah. yeah I think, I think the most amazing 3d effect in the original creature from black lagoon is when they find the fossilized claw in mm-hmm. the, and they're digging it out. And they get a shot where the claw actually physically comes like right out of the screen at you. And I have yet to see a better 3D effect than than that one right there. True. And and listeners, let me let you know I'm terrible at at spoiler alert warning. So if you haven't seen Creature from the Black Lagoon, whoops. Um. <laughs> if you haven't seen Creature from the Black Lagoon, then you're, there's a creature. You're lost, man. There's you're a creature, lost. and there's a black lagoon, and and. Um, hey, let's cut over to what struck me is uh, Walker's List, Excalibur. Did you see that, Bob? You know, I saw Excalibur back when it originally came out in the theater, and I don't think I've seen it since. Oh, my God. I, not there, that I didn't like it. I just haven't seen it since. There's this great line that I use all the time where they're talking to Merlin. He's like, what are you, Merlin? What are you? A dream <laughs> to some, a nightmare to <laughs> others. Um a king in the lander one. <laughs> Walker, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't um, Liam Neeson and Patrick Stewart in that film? Yes, they are both Young. in that film, early in their yeah. careers, or early-ish. Um, yeah, it's just, you know, there's, it's sort of a little treasure trove to mm-hmm. me of, of things. It, it's, it is an odd movie, though. I mean, like... It is. Some of the stuff, like the director had his daughter in a sex scene... Uh, there's just some weird stuff, oh you know, my. and I, I, I went and saw this, I think I was like 13 and, uh, yeah, there was some weird stuff in it. It definitely, you know, it made a, uh, it made an impression obviously. Uh, but there's, you know, it's just beautifully filmed. Uh, it has, you know, uh, it's obviously fantasy, mm-hmm. uh, you know, because of the, the way it's filmed with it's kind of soft, uh, a soft glaze over everything. I wish I could do it uh, justice. I'm not really expressing it, but uh, people, yeah, I would say check it out. Um, oh, you know, it's no, it's no Lord of the Rings. It's it's much bloodier <laughs> than anything in Lord of the Rings, um, but it takes that that Arthurian legend and puts kind of a, a spin to it um, that I I still find really fascinating and can watch over and over. Yeah, yeah, it, it's a good film. Um, off of my list, the Wrath of Khan, I have a great story. Um, we all, uh, matter of fact, I met Bob through going to Thrillville. Um, Will Vaharo um, used to do this uh, cinema cabaret at the Parkway uh, Theater, and they had beer, pizza, uh, popcorn, and and uh, couches uh, inside the theater. And this is before anyone else did it. I mean, this is like, so, you know. Oakland, California, by the way. In 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 the 510, Oakland, California. And um, anyway, um, he uh, he played Neptune's daughter. And uh, Walker, did you come with me to that one? I did not see that did one. did not see that one, Bob. I don't think you were there. That was... Uh, Neptune's daughter, no. I did not see that Ricardo Ricardo Montalban and... Um, Oh God, I, uh, her name escapes me now. Um, she would dance in the pool, and they do that synchronized pool dancing. And it's not Esther Williams, anyway. Forgive me. Um, we'll throw it on the 
on the Twitter and Facebook page what the uh, actress's name was. Anyway, so I'm I'm watching this. Esther Williams. Esther Williams. I think it's Esther Williams. Thank you, Walker. Um, and it, it you know it's this Hollywood film. I mean, it, the great thing about Thrillville was is I would watch things in Thrillville that I wouldn't watch on my own. So um, we can go through a list of films. I'm sure Will has it on his site. Movies that he's played. But uh, Walker and I go to the Star Trek convention. It's the Wrath of Khan's, what, 10th anniversary, 20th anniversary, something like that. And uh, Ricardo Montalban is there. Now, he was uh, incapacitated. Uh, he had back issues, was it, Walker, something like that? He had back issues. Yeah. Uh, so he was in considerable pain. This was also the first time he had appeared at a, con- a Star Trek convention. Uh, first time at a Star Trek convention. Pasadena? Yes. Anyway. Uh, we go there, and, and everyone's like, oh, I loved you in, um, you know, Fantasy Island. And oh, someone actually went up to the mic and said, could you say Corinthian leather? Because he did the Pontiac commercials, and he was very accommodating. And they had a special chair for him, like a, a lazy boy. And, you know, it's, when you go to these conventions and you go to get an autograph, it's like an assembly line. And it has to be that way in order to accommodate the hundreds of people trying to get an autograph. And so... The cool actors are like, look, you, you know, look at you and say, oh, thank you very much, you know, and smile and send you on the way. The ones who have a plane to catch are just signing and, you know, their handlers kind of escort you through the line. But everyone, you know, we loved you in Wrath of Khan. Thank you for being here. And I said, I loved you in Neptune's Daughter. And then I swear to God, he stopped signing. He looked up at me and he smiled. Oh, that was a good movie. I could tell you some stories about Esther Williams. And I was just like, and these, you know, fellow geeks next to me were like, oh, he's actually <laughs> talking to him, you know? And it's like, anyway, that's, that's my, my, uh, Ricardo Montalban story related to Rathacon. Bob, you saw Rathacon in theaters? Of course. And, uh, did, did you hear, this is again, pre internet. Did, did you hear about what was going to happen in the film? It got out. No, actually, no, I, Okay. I purposely ignored everything and went in and good man, you know. And it really, you know, when when that first came out, it was like everybody's like Khan. It's nineteen eighty two. Bringing back Khan, why Khan? You know. Yeah. yeah. But he did such a great job in that that he's suddenly went from sort of a B villain mm-hmm. in the series to being like one of the A list villains in the film. I'd Which, argue one know, of the best villains thus far. I mean, yeah. he he holds up with you know. And, uh, you know, Cumberbach did not do him justice. Unfortunately. <laughs> unfortunately. In that new film. I think that's when it all, when, was it Star Trek Into Darkness, was it? The, uh, I think yes. it was yeah, Darkness, yeah. yeah. It was a pretty good movie up until he said, I am Khan, and then pff, that was it. The whole thing went to trash. But, um, yeah. Then Walker. They, they kind of tried to, you know, copy the first film, and yeah, just not very well. Yeah, well, that's another podcast. Walker, Im- impressions of uh, Star Trek Two. Oh well, it was hard not to put it on my list. Um, did Did you, you know, know about the the death? Spoiler alert! Uh, did yes. you hear about it? You heard about uh, it before? No, no, I, I I didn't know about it. You know, okay. and that's one of the beauties of uh, pre-internet days. I actually, this is a side thing, and I know we're getting close to, to time here on our we're, we're our uh, transmission. Uh, the other day I had a tour of a museum and the, the young lady giving the tour was talking about this uh, magazine that used to be put out to for these craftsmen 
Uh, and she says, yes, before the Internet, did you ever think about how people communicated ideas to each other? <laughs> <laughs> They're young. They don't know. Um, so anyway, no, I, I hadn't heard anything. And so it was very shocking to go into Wrath of Khan. And uh, that was the first movie. I was I used to be a real hard case. Now I'm an old woman, so I cry at Hallmark commercials. But <laughs> that was the first movie I shed a tear in. And uh, it it still gets me when I watch that movie. I, I'm just kind of like it's it's a real um, it's a real kick in the gut, boy. It is. It it holds up. And I was I was like 13, 14, out with my friends. We heard about what was going to happen. And what was great was in the Kobayashi Maru. Not only does he die, but everybody. And we're like, holy crap! They they didn't tell us about everyone else. And then they all got up, and we're like, oh, phew. it was just you know the Kobayashi Maru. He doesn't really die. And he dies at the end. And, you know, we're teenage guys and we're all bawling, you know, like hugging each other out afterwards. You know, it's okay. I don't know what's going to happen, but oh, my God. Um, anyway, yeah. So yeah, I'll, um, I'll tell you one thing about that Kobayashi Maru scenario episode, all the, the whole scene. Mm-hmm. It was not the first time that was done. There's really? actually an episode of Stingray. The old Jerry Anderson, Super Marionation Stingray, mm-hmm. where they did that whole kind of thing, where they started the episode with you know, they're on you know the ship and whatever, and, and everything. You watch it, you're like, God, this is Star Trek two right here. This is where they got it, and so great movie. But yeah, no, that if if you, That's I'll have to look back and find the episode and maybe post it. But um, yeah, no, there is there is a seen much like that Kobayashi Maru in an episode of Stingray. So hmm. check it out. Very cool. Very cool. Nothing's original. Well, yeah. <laughs> it's it's all in how you do it. That is true. That is true. Hey, listeners, uh, it has come to that point in our podcast where we do a sensor sweep and we bring your attention to the latest and greatest products but because we've shot over our time, we're not going to do that this week. Um, stay tuned for our next podcast, and, and maybe what we'll do is a twofer. We'll cover two, uh, two items that, that uh, caught our attention and, and we have in our, our collection, which is vast because we're all old. And, and the older you are, the more stuff you collect. Um, anyway, no. Leave that for the next podcast. Hey, on that note, I, I sincerely, uh, Bob and, and Karen, uh, thank you guys for tuning in again. Um, please share this with your friends, uh, neighbors, and, and all that stuff. Um, give us some feedback. Um, uh, visit us. Become part of the podcast through uh, www.planet8podcast.blogspot.com. You can go over to our Facebook page, facebook.com uh, backslash Planet 8 Podcast. And when I say Planet 8, you put the number 8 in there. Don't, don't spell out 8. We're also on Twitter at Planet 8 Cast. Uh, look, we really do uh, look forward to your input and your opinions. And uh, until next time, this is Planet 8 signing off and transmission.